0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more.
1: It was the 1960s, and researchers wanted to find out if monkeys hallucinated.
2: A researcher put a group of rhesus monkeys individually into the sensory deprivation chambers. Inside the chamber, there was a projection, and each time the monkeys would see an image they would press the lever in a particular way. And the pressing of the lever meant, I am seeing something. And he was hoping that over time, they would start pressing the lever even when there was no image projected inside of the chamber. Because if they press the lever when no image was really being projected, he reasoned, it might be evidence that they're seeing something in the form of of a hallucination. Now the researcher didn't actually find evidence of hallucinations because the monkeys never pressed the lever in the right way when they were awake. But fascinatingly, they started pressing the lever in the right way to indicate, I am seeing something now, when they were asleep.
1: Ah, shit. Instead of hallucinating, the researcher gave the monkeys nightmares about work. I'm Ann Jones, and you are not hallucinating. This is What the Duck, where you know that every time that you listen, you're going to shake your head and think, fuck, is that real? And look, if a monkey can have a nightmare about working hard to make a living, then should it be getting a minimum wage? That is, is one of the criteria for personhood and the rights that go along with it, being able to dream.
2: This is research that raises very serious and grave ethical concerns.
1: No kidding. David Pena Guzman is an author and philosopher.
2: And so I look at that research again as yet another case of empirical evidence that animals do have conscious, phenomenal, perceptual experiences in the middle of the sleep cycle.
1: But wait, is that the philosopher's way of saying yes, yes, that some animals do dream? You might be surprised to hear that in the scientific world, it isn't a done deal whether animals dream or not. But what do the what the duck detectives think?
3: As she got older, she would start to make like little noises then start to get bigger and bigger and then she'll start to get like to squawking noises.
1: Like big enough to wake you up? Yeah. Claire is in Grade 6 and she has a pet bird called Pidgey. I'm
3: Claire and my parrot's
1: name's Pidgey. Pidgey! Wait, your parrot? Pidgey? Named after the Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Claire's mum, Cass. Pidgey is a green-cheeked canoe, a South American parakeet that sort of looks like it's a technicolour green velvet thing that has been partially drawn only with charcoal.
3: She can dance, which is another thing about her. She loves to dance. She'll bop her head down, she'll do it sideways, <laughs> and she makes annoying noises at night time, which now I know that she's dreaming.
1: Claire and Cass have managed to record some of these little sounds. Oh, they're funny little sounds, aren't they? Yeah, they're very deep, and it's just ch Pidgey has a sleeping perch inside the house, which means that Claire gets to observe her behaviour up close.
3: Well, when I hear the noises, she's, she's always in her bed and um, she, she'll, you'll see her eyes asleep if you go up to her really closely. Like, if you go really close to her cage, you'll see her like asleep with making the noises. She won't stop. She won't know you're there.
1: What do you reckon she would dream about?
3: Well, I'm not sure, probably to get, like, have, like, millions of food around her, have, like, (laughs) dogs she can buy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like parrot heaven. And Claire and Cass seem convinced that Pidgey the parrot is dreaming when she makes those nighttime sounds. But sounds alone are not enough to prove that Pidgey, or your pet dog, is dreaming. We need to amass some evidence. Associate Professor Nicole Lovato is from Flinders University.
4: Yeah, so there's two light stages of sleep. So there's stage one sleep, and that happens when we first fall asleep at night. And then we also have REM sleep, which is stands for rapid eye movement sleep. And that's because... During this stage of sleep, our eyes dart around underneath our eyelids. That's when in dreaming sleep. So it's a really cool stage of sleep. Um, in that stage of sleep, your brain waves and your brain activity looks very similar to when you're awake, but your body is paralysed during that time.
1: Literally, sleep paralysis.
4: So there's a mechanism in the brainstem which turns your muscles off, otherwise you'd get up, kind of act out your dreams So that's what happens there. And people who remember lots of their dreams and they're they're the people that wake up lots out of that REM sleep because when you wake up out of that sleep, it kind of gets moved to the the memory centres in your brain and that's how you remember your dreams.
1: REM sleep most likely equals dreams in humans. But I'm pretty sure I've seen my cat's eyes darting around in her sleep. So is it reasonable to say that she's dreaming too? Well, mammals and birds have been found to have sleep states that are very similar to REM. Does that automatically mean dreaming?
5: You know, dreaming is an inherently personal experience.
1: Associate Professor John Lescu is from La Trobe University.
5: So I know that I dream because I experience it. And you tell me you dream, so I believe you, because you're a human. And so it's very easy for me to make that leap. However, then when you go into animals that are markedly unlike ourselves, like our friend the cuttlefish, is a cuttlefish that has flashing patterns of chromatophore activity, or they're sleeping? It's very difficult to know the answer to this, isn't it? Because we can't ask them.
1: Well. We can ask, but they can't answer.
5: Um, and so it's it's really hard to get at. So, is your cat dreaming when they're you know scratching their legs on the carpet and and uh, maybe moving a little bit? I, I probably would say I'll give it to them. You know, they're close enough to me that I'll, I'll accept that they they do. Um, but the evidence for that is is probably wanting. Mm. This is almost a philosophical question more than a neurophysiological one, I think.
1: You're not going to put me off that easily because I know just the person.
2: My name is David Pena Guzman, and I am a professor of humanities at San Francisco State University and also one of the co-hosts of the philosophy podcast, Overthink.
1: And David is author of When Animals Dream, the perfect person to answer some of my questions.
2: What happens in the animal mind when animals go to sleep?
1: Wait, that was my question.
2: Is it that the minds of animals simply turn off when they go to sleep or is there some kind of endogenous activity happening, some form of representation of the world that comes out And that can be a window for us to think about their mental faculties, about their emotions, about their thoughts, about their motivations, about their desires.
1: Yeah, if they tell me about their dreams, am I going to be able to do some amateur psychoanalysis and work out their childhood traumas?
2: It's very tricky to talk about what happens in the interior lives of other species, especially when you're thinking about something like dreaming
1: why is it that we can so easily imagine that mammals might dream but not other beings
2: we spend more time in the company of of mammals most people who have domestic companions will have a dog or a cat and even from an evolutionary perspective we know that we are closer to other mammals and that Proximity from a genetic evolutionary standpoint already prompts us to be more open-minded. The physician Andrew Freiberg put his finger on this problem when he wrote, quote, dreams may be an essential function of sleep in humans and other primates, or even all mammals, but extending that function to earthworms and daylilies is difficult to imagine, end quote.
1: So what about worms, eh? Do they dream? When you put it into Google, I don't recommend it. You do get a lot of weird stuff. What are earthworms a symbol of in my dreams? What does it mean if I dream I'm vomiting worms? Dr. Shawnee Omond from La Trobe University joined us in the previous episode talking about how she studied sleep in aquatic flatworms by dosing them with melatonin and filming them as they sleep. Not creepy at all. So, of all the 8 billion people on Earth, she's certainly one of the most qualified to answer the question, do worms dream?
6: Yeah, so this is this is really, a really cool thing. I don't know, oh. but there is quite a lot of room to find this out. So, one of the chapters I was going to do for my PhD, but it didn't quite work out, was doing electrophysiological measurements of their brains, so the same way that we would study a human sleeping we wanted to do that with the flatworms and I was somewhat successful in getting electrical activity recordings from them but due to that mucusy slime that they secrete and they secrete more of it when they're injured We had a hard time keeping the electrodes clean enough to get an actual signal so I had implanted a flatworm which basically just involved me using a really tiny thin piece of glass and implanting it into the flatworm brain and then running some wires through it to record electrical activity. When we initially implanted it we got great signal, it looked really good. But after about 10 minutes, I think what happens is that some of the slime and mucus starts to creep into that glass. And then the signal we get is actually bouncing around from the slime, because if you take the flatworm out of the situation, we're still getting that biological signal. So something to do with the slime and we weren't able to solve that problem. But if a lab out there can, And we can see that there are different electrical signals between sleep and wake in the flatworms. The next step from that would be to measure flatworm sleep for as long as you can. And then from there, see if you can identify different states of sleep within the flatworm. Once you've identified different states of sleep, you could probably have a look to see if REM, if the patterns are what we think REM looks like in humans and other animals, if that does pop up in the flatworms. And if it does, you can probably say that they do dream.
1: Okay, so if it wasn't for the slime, we might have an answer to our worm dreaming questions. But even for bigger invertebrates like the octopus, it's all still a mystery. You might have seen the online videos of the dreaming octopus. It changes color and texture while it's sleeping, as though it's reacting to some sort of imagined storyline. Now, certainly, the Internet seems to interpret this as dreaming. I'm Siddhartha
7: Ribeiro. I'm Professor of Neuroscience at the Brain Institute of the Federal University of Rio Grande do Norte.
1: And Professor Ribeiro has studied how octopuses sleep. In
7: mammals, the, what we call active sleep is is rapid eye movement sleep, is the dreaming sleep, and it's flabbergasting that we can see similar things in the octopus, which has diverged from from our lineage, you know, over 500 million years ago.
1: In fact, several studies have now found that octopuses have two phases of sleep similar to us.
7: We're investigating what are what the possible meanings of those changes. Do they reflect very specific memory processing or some sort of, of more random-like process that has to do with memory erasing, perhaps, or even something else we don't know.
1: The observations of the octopus's changing colour and shape during the eye movement phase of their sleep is consistent with the idea that they could be dreaming, but it does not prove it. It's worth pointing out that this eye movement part of octopus sleep is really short, like only seconds duration.
7: Another thing that is remarkable is the possibility that maybe some species specific behaviors get reenacted during this active sleep and suggesting that it could be also a dreaming phase of sleep for the octopus but we're not there yet to to nail down that this is the interpretation quite quite the opposite because it's very hard to record from the neurons of the of the octopus what we have learned so far is coming from the observation of the behavior, the quantification of the behavior. To actually find out what's happening inside the brain is quite complicated.
1: Do you think the octopus is dreaming?
7: I do. Uh, and of course, if, if, if what they have is is a, a dream, it's a very short dream. It's like a clip. It doesn't last more than a minute. And it, it recurs with a, an amazing regularity every. 26 to 39 minutes, you have another episode of, of this kind of sleep. But of course, what I think is just my opinion. Um, we're far away from demonstrating that they can actually dream.
1: I sometimes dream of flying. Cliché, I know. And not even of flying, of soaring. No effort put in. Just vast space around me and the Earth way down below. But does that mean that birds might dream of something I do, like, you know, bin day or something? That is... If birds dream, I'm deferring to Niels Rattenberg on this one, avian sleep research group leader at the Max Planck Institute.
0: Yeah, that's that's a fascinating question. We don't know because we haven't found a way for them to tell us that they were dreaming. It's intriguing. They have REM sleep. Dreams are most vivid uh, and emotional when people are awakened from REM sleep. We have gotten a bit interested in trying to understand if. Pigeons do dream, and this comes from my recent PhD student's work, Janina Ungarin. She showed that when pigeons are awake and when the male is cooing and courting a female, he's constricting his pupil, very small, and he does this just when he's courting the female. But when you record them, when they go to sleep, when they go into REM sleep, the pupil constricts again. And maybe this is them re-enacting or having something like a dream about courting the female during the daytime.
1: Who wouldn't want to recreate the perfect dating scenario in their dreams? So could Pidgey the parrot's nocturnal vocalising actually be her dreaming?
0: But we still don't know, technically. Until you can wake them up and ask, what were you thinking? We can only guess.
1: I suppose that's if pigeons remember their dreams. And are you picking up on a theme here? Scientists studying sleep, spending hours and hours gathering data from sleeping animals, often watching videos of sleeping animals for hours and hours, they're not quite willing to say, yes, yes, animals dream.
2: You can't ask the horse or the cow or the dolphin, you know, what's happening in your mind right before you wake up or right after you fall asleep? Do you remember anything?
1: Philosopher David Peña Guzman again.
2: And so the problem of language combined with the problem of other minds, the fact that these are minds errantly unlike our own by virtue of belonging to a different species, those two factors put already scientists on edge when it comes to making claims that that attribute mental states to other animals.
1: Lucky that David's a philosopher then. In his book When Animals Dream, David brings together several instances that he thinks pushes us ever closer to the conclusion that they do, that animals must be dreaming.
2: So, I I really like the song of the zebra finches. Now, these birds have to learn a song that is part of their behavioral repertoire. They use it in their everyday life. And uh, from an evolutionary perspective, this song is interesting because it is learned, as we say, vertically rather than passed down genetically. So, a baby zebra finch does not know the song when they're born and they have to pick it up through experience. And that means that they have to listen to others singing the song, and they have to memorize it on their own terms to the point that they master it and then later perform it.
1: Like human toddlers start to learn language, looking, listening, and practicing the sounds.
2: And it turns out that one of the ways in which zebra finches go about memorizing this song is by rehearsing it in their sleep. That's dedication. Now, if you measure brain activity in the part of the bird brain that is associated with song, you notice a certain pattern when the birds are practicing their song out loud in the middle of the day. So imagine a finch perched on a branch, singing its song for the world to hear. Again, there will be a very specific neural signature that maps onto that particular performance. And a number of researchers have found that we discover that same neural signature at the specific phase of the sleep cycle of these animals that is their equivalent of what in humans we call REM sleep.
1: Mm-hmm. REM sleep again, rapid eye movements, and that's when we, humans, dream. And what David is saying is that the finches' brains lit up when they were practicing their songs, and then they lit up in the same way when they were in REM.
2: These animals are not simply rehearsing their song during sleep unconsciously, as some people believe. They're actually having a conscious experience in the middle of their sleep cycle and that conscious experience is what we call a dream they are having a musical dream in which they are singing the song that they've been trying effortfully to memorize during the day
1: which is so beautiful like it's just so whimsical to think of those gorgeous little birds <laughs> yes practicing and practicing even in their sleep but then the scientists have the temerity to turn around and say, Wah, well, I'm not sure it's a dream.
2: Yes, that's where you see again <laughs> the, the qualification uh, and the walking back of the language.
1: Yep, scientists are, in general, not willing to go there. They don't want to use the word dream. So instead, they sometimes use the word replay when they're writing about their research into animals and sleep. They say that animals are just replaying something from the day instead of dreaming about it. But what the f*** is the difference?
2: That's a really good question. And the short answer here has to do with the difference between a conscious and an unconscious process. Now, when scientists talk about replay, what they mean simply is that a certain neural pattern of activation that we see during the waking state is replayed during sleep. But one could argue that that replay of a neural pattern during sleep is something that happens below the threshold of consciousness. And we do know that a lot of mental activity can happen during sleep unconsciously. That is a fact. Now, whether particular instances of replay are unconscious or conscious bears on the question of whether or not it counts as a dream. Because by definition, a dream is something that we are conscious of while we're going through it, even if we don't remember it the next day. Right? We all have dreams, we wake up, and it's on the tip of our tongue, but we just forget about it. Or we remember, a day later, that we had a dream that we had forgotten. In the book, I talk about replay as a conscious experience. And that is what allows me to bring in questions of lived experience, questions of lived temporality, questions of how animals experience space in the landscape of their dreams, and thereby sidestep this possible objection that often scientists make, which is that, look, yes, all this neural activity is there, but it doesn't really mean anything because it could theoretically be entirely unconscious.
1: Now, why? Why would you spend your career looking at sleeping animals and not really want to say if they dream or not? Well, because if dreams are conscious, And animal's dream, then animals are conscious. And I'm not talking about clinically conscious, I'm talking about consciousness.
2: In short, my view is that once you accept that animals experience these reality simulations during sleep, a few things follow from a philosophical standpoint. When you have a dream, by definition, you are experiencing a world that lights up for you as the dreaming subject and you are at the center of that world. And so whenever you have a dream, no matter how bizarre, how illogical, how mind-bending it might be, that dream is a world in which you are the subject. And so once we accept that animal's dream, it seems to follow that animals are subjects hence the term subjectivity, in this very basic, almost minimal sense of the term. That at the very least, we can say that they are egos at the center of a world that is organized around their perspective. And that's just another way of saying that other animals have a first-person perspective on the world.
1: Perhaps in a manner, the animal refers to itself as I. I run, I jump. It positions itself within a world, that tree, my nest, wet moss. And it has desires and conscious thoughts that drive their experience of that world. I can has cheeseburger. It's the highest form of being. I shouldn't joke. This is serious stuff, with serious consequences for how we might treat... Farm and eat animals. Animals that dream. What the Duck is an ABC Science production. I'm Ann Jones and this program is produced by myself and Patria Ladgrove. It's made on the lands of the Ghana and Wadawurrung people. You've been listening to an ABC
0: podcast.